morning. Good morning, huddlers. Welcome to the Daily Huddle Thursday edition Spiritual Matters. I am your host, Dr. Monica Ogando, and I'm so excited about today's conversation. It promises to be a juicy one. And I have a quote to deal with that. The only cure for grief is to grieve by Earl Groveman. We'll be talking today about how grief can accelerate your spiritual journey with our guest, Ginny Smith. The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to The Daily Huddle. You know, you can't go wrong with uh, percussion because it is the closest instrument that we have to the heartbeat of the earth. So I always love it when we have that, you know, I love that. (laughs) That's my inner prince coming out. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to The Daily Huddle. I'm so excited that you are here. Well, I am so appreciative of everybody coming in um, to have this amazing discussion. We are in the middle of our summer series of, um, you know, we're learning about different parts of what can accelerate our spiritual journey. And we've been through it these past few weeks. We've talked about Tantra. We've talked about astrology. We've talked about even the basics of food and uh, um, you know, our, our sexual cells, our sensual cells, etc. And it might seem a little counterintuitive to talk about this one, but to me, it would be lying by omission if we didn't include it. And we have brought an amazing grief expert to talk with us about this, how grief can accelerate your spiritual journey. And we have Ginny Lee Schmidt with us tonight, today. Ginny has experienced about as much change, loss, and grief as anyone can imagine most of it by the time that she graduated college, but she perfected what she called Academy Award Recovery at an early age and powered her way through a long and successful career as a corporate consultant and entrepreneur. And after the most important person in her life died, she struggled through nine months of debilitating grief that threatened her business and her marriage. Then she finally discovered the grief recovery method and her purpose and calling became clear. Now she coaches high-performing women leaders who have too much at stake to stay stuck, helping them to recover from their past, release their grief, and reclaim their freedom to thrive. So welcome, Ginny. I'm so excited to have you here with us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And um, do I get to say who I hug? Because I'm sending Stacy a big hug because I love what you're feeling and I love that you're showing up when you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. And I want to let you know, I just confessed to Monica and Sorrel that I was feeling a burden about this topic too, right? Like this is a heavy topic and I, you know, coming on and with such a lovely introduction from Monica, I was like, oh my gosh, like a burden to kind of get it right. You know, I don't want to say anything that would not be helpful, you know, so let's be in it together is what I'm saying, right? Like, because the other thing, one of the main things to know about grief is there's no standard process. There's no right or wrong. Same thing with a discussion like this, right? Like nobody's an expert on this. We're all only an expert on our own experience. So 
bully to all of us for showing up and bringing it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the, what the conversation brings. Yeah, me too. Me too. So just for context, for all of you listening, Jenny is familiar with this conversation because she has, she and I have had it offline, but I myself have gone through a harrowing year of losses. We lost about seven people in my family. Um, and the culmination of that in terms of emotional weight for me was the loss of my father, uh, almost a year ago now in October and my brother died, an uncle died and aunt died. I mean, like it was just like one after the other. And then when dad died, I was like, I'm through. Okay. I quit life. I quit y'all. I quit business, I quit everything. I'm going to go sit down somewhere and just be in the fetal position for unlimited amount of time. And, um, and it didn't look like that to the outside world. Right. Nobody knew that that was the plan that I had. Nobody knew, like, oh, when she gets off the Zoom, she's going to go lay down in the fetal position and cry herself to sleep. Nobody knew that. Right. And so it was great to have that conversation with you, Jenny, because you helped me to put a lot of things in perspective about how we can hold it and let ourselves feel through it and not be drowned by it. Yeah. So first of all, you just exemplified my premise, which is that if I drop that phrase Academy Award recovery into my intro, everybody knows what it is, right? Like all of us high performers, high achievers, we've all perfected that even before we had a name for it, right? Like we are winning the award for best performance. Um, But why don't you also say the quote you found, Monica, because I think that speaks to what you're talking to as well. The one that I said earlier? Yeah. The The only only cure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The only cure for grief is to grieve, Earl Grohlman. Yeah. So, so you know, side by side with the, even if we feel the need to put on the Academy Award recovery when we have to get up and get dressed and go out in public, what we do when we're in our fetal position and or with trusted professionals and friends is actually do the grieving, too, so we can get those emotions out. It, sadly, yeah. we do have to experience them. But one of my premises about grief as horrible as it can feel is, you know, it's part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. I want to live my full human experience, right? Like if we deny our challenging emotions and experiences, we're not living the fullest life we had, you know? So uh, that's kind of an intellectual um, argument and it doesn't always make it any easier to embrace, but Mm I don't know. I guess you could also go back to that old expression. You you can't really experience how high the highs can be if you're not willing to let yourself yes. experience the lows. Okay. So, I didn't say it as smart as that, but I just experienced that it's like, there've been a lot of sense of loss that doesn't come with this level of grief. And to me, I made the distinction that it was like, okay, this level of grief is only commensurate with the amount of love that there was in that relationship. If I didn't have the amazing relationship that I had with my dad, I, 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 this, it wouldn't feel this way. I feel like, oh, okay, bye, see you next lifetime or whatever, right? Um, or when I lose that, you know, the uh, my favorite book, or when Prince died. Oh my God, you guys! When Prince died, I was in a on a in a what is it smoothie king waiting for my lunch. Oh, I was going to get a smoothie, and I get the news on the thing. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. And when it came, I froze and I started crying. And the girl on the counter was like, what happened? I was like, somebody I love died. She was like, oh, my God, I have this movie. <laughs> but it was it was the fact that I reacted like that to somebody that I had never like had a personal relationship with. Yeah. It wasn't about the connect- it wasn't about the relationship. It was about the meaning. 
yeah right the meaning that this person had in my life and and I think that it's directly proportional to that sense of loss right yeah one of the things that I love that you say Ginny is also that grief isn't just about death it's also just it's just a general sense of loss like a lot of times we experience grief when we have to move from the house that we've lived in for 30 years or from our childhood home or or when we go back to the childhood home and it's like it looks different and now you feel like your childhood went up in smoke or something and there's a sense of loss in that talk to us about that Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that up. The truth is that any change in our life, any life event you can think of, has the potential to cause some grief. Because if you think about it, even the changes that we want, that we pursue, that we perceive as being happy, positive changes, there is a little something else you have to say goodbye to. Mm -hmm. And the best example I have for my life is when I got married. I got married, you know, about 30 seconds before I turned 40. And so there were a million things good about that. I was carrying some of that social burden about, you know, being single at that age or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in addition to, uh, and I had a fairy tale romance and beautiful wedding and all the, the wonderful things that go with stepping into marriage. And then I had to deal with where's my independence going? How am I spending money on other people? Not just myself, right? How am I spending time on other people? Not just myself. Like I ended up helping buy my stepchild a car. Like these were all things that I never really considered before I stepped into that. So there were some things I had to say goodbye to. And so Yes, Monica, thank you for pointing out. And I'll be happy to create a handout to share with you guys. Um, I have a list of a list that blows most people's mind, I think. It's a little overwhelming. My list includes about a hundred life events. So one thing you can do to evaluate if you're having any grief is take a list at a look at that list and see how many you've experienced, how many maybe you've experienced recently in rapid succession, like Monica's experience, right? Like, because grief is cumulative and all the stuff you never, uh, you know, got to say about all those changes you carry around as cumulative grief. So that's a good, Mm -hmm. a good call out. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I like that you call it a cumulative because, um, you know, whatever, whatever we haven't, whatever we haven't processed emotionally, it doesn't go anywhere. It stays in our bodies. You know, like the body keeps the score talks about that. I love that book. Um, and somebody, I don't remember who said this originally. It might've been a Yama. I don't know, but somebody says the issues live in the tissues. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and so when, when we don't process our sense of grief or loss, et cetera, um, then it, it comes out somewhere else. It leaks somewhere else. It's so and why is there such a, as universal as a sense of loss and grief is, why is there such a cultural, like, oh, I can't let you see me in that breakdown state kind of thing that, that happens in, in our culture? Why is that, Jenny? Girl, I wish I knew. <laughs> um, part of it is generational observing and learning, right? Like, in generations past, probably back to when people began, um, somebody just decided that we're going to show the positive and hide the negative, right? And so then that generation's children learned and observed that's how to do it, right? And then it's just been passed down for so many years, I think. Um, I, I, that feels like one of those $64 million questions that if we knew the answer to why, we could really bust it open and make a million dollars. But <laughs> I think the thing to know is that those are myths, you know, just how you come mm-hmm. to an awareness of how that little voice in your head is not the truth. 
Mm-hmm. He's just he's just nagging you with all sorts of lies and and hatred towards yourself. Mm-hmm. But let's also just realize that there are myths out in society that are teaching us how to deal with grief that are not true. So okay. for instance, the one that bothers me the most is time heals all wounds. So that's oh, directly yeah. opposite to what we just said about grief being cumulative, right? The more it sits there, it, it you know, time doesn't heal almost anything, right? Time devolves everything. Mm-hmm. But what happens is a certain amount of time passes and then we think, oh, I'm the one that's crazy or broken because time didn't heal my wound. I'm the only one that this is happening to. Everybody else has got it all figured out. And I think that's the most insidious. So be aware that time doesn't heal all wounds. Things like keeping busy and being strong, those are not going to bring healing, right? All of those tend to serve to just keep, you know, the the word picture I use most often is a pressure cooker, right? Like all that gunk goes in a pressure cooker and uh, the pressure goes up the more and more stuff we put in. And to your point, if we don't have some kind of release valve that lets out that steam, you might get a leak or you might get an explosion, right? It's going to come out one way or the other. Yeah, that's exactly right. I recently had the experience of going to uh, a supermarket to go buy some groceries. And as I was leaving, there was this older gentleman, um, didn't look like my father at all. He was tall, he was white, (laughs) completely opposite of my father, but he had his gait and he was walking slow and kind of like very judiciously trying to find where his car was. And and this kind of like deliberateness that older men have that that I've come to associate with my father. And I was just watching him. Like I slowed myself down to watch him go to his car. I was going to my car too. And there's this um, song. Giovanni might know the song. Um, It's called Mi Querido Viejo, which means like my dear old man. It's like old. It was released before I was even born, before any of us were born. Jesus. And, um, but as soon as I saw the man get into his car, that song popped into my mind because I have musical Tourette's and it's an incurable condition. And I immediately called my sister and I was like, this just happened. And I like mumbled and cried my way through telling her the story and just speaking it and having a witness for that moment that just happened for me. Like the guy didn't even know that this was happening all in my heart, right? So just witnessing that and being witnessed for it helped the moment be as sweet as it was, as bittersweet as it was. And then it was just a moment. I didn't have to carry it for the rest of the day. And that's something that, I think sometimes the whole idea of like, get it together. You can't have, you can't break down in the middle of a public parking lot, you know, to just let yourself have the moment is what will help us move through it. Just like the quote says, the only way to cure grief is to grieve. Yes. That's beautiful. I love that you called um, another word picture I use in my work is that it is helpful to say it out loud Mm -hmm. to a heart with ears and tape over its mouth. So I love that you had a safe person, a living person with ears that could hear what you had to say. It's a little different than, you know, writing a letter and throwing it in the fire or throwing it in a river, right? Like having a living person, uh, one who doesn't talk back and take over the conversation, right? That's important too. You need a chance to just say what you need to say. But I think that's wonderful because as bittersweet as that moment was, like the hard feelings, I think that's a moment you'll kind of treasure as as part of the memories of your dad, right? What it brought up about your dad. So that's really a sacred, to me, that's a sacred experience, which which brings us back to our spiritual conversation. So how Um, can grief accelerate our spiritual journey? How do we use it? How, How does it, instead of being like this stuck place or stunting place, whatever, how do we use it to move us forward in our spiritual journey? Love it. Um, 
So I'm, I'm glad you asked that because I did want to be sure to, to drop a few things that came to mind when I actually sat and thought about this, including a really tangible experience I had with a client of mine that I think might be a good illustration. But first, um, one of the things I wanted to share is two things I believe about grief that, that tap into the spiritual side. Number one, actually, okay, I can't take credit for this. This one I got out of the movie called Inside Out. Do you remember this little (laughs) character named Sadness? So one of the, the great aha moments in that movie was that grief lets people know we're hurting and invites them to come help us feel better, right? Like if we show that we're hurting, other people who love us want to come take care of us and they want to contribute to us. So to me, you know, the answer to the question you just asked, how can we, you know, allow grief to be part of our spiritual journey? I think the openness to allow it to be part of our spiritual journey is the first step, just being willing for that to be the case. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that willingness is being willing to show it to our loved ones, our safe people, so that they can come help us because i mean our our comrades our loved ones the people we experience on this earth i think are part of our spiritual growth and so yeah. let them come play a role in your life that's that's amazing i like i like the idea of just you know being present to that right it's it's yeah. just because a lot of times i mean i'm just saying it's so common for us to just swipe things under the rug you know swipe or push things under the rug yeah. and and to be able to just say this is what's happening and to access that our sense of loss accesses empathy from somebody else it's kind of like this dance of emotions yeah well and if you think about it if you if you believe that myth that says I have to be strong for myself and I have to show others that I'm strong number Mm -hmm. one you're denying yourself some of your own emotions and experiences if you just won't go there Mm -hmm. but number two as I said people want to contribute and if we go around all the time saying I'm fine I'm fine I don't need anything from you Mm-hmm. We haven't given them an opportunity to contribute. So we're mm-hmm. we're denying them something just like we're denying ourselves something. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I really love that. So then what are some of the ways in which we can get the support that we need as we're grieving? Well, so that's kind of a way we can open the door to the yeah. human support. I want to talk about kind of the spiritual support too. Mm-hmm. And one caveat I want to say is that uh, I, I came into thinking about this conversation from my spiritual perspective, which is I'm a Christian. And so I want to say, I don't have any idea, but I'd love to hear if there's anyone here from other faith traditions, right? Like there are a million faith traditions. There's people who believe in, like I believe in one personal God, but there are other people who believe in a number of gods or no gods or nature yeah. as God, right? So I don't presume to understand how it impacts spirituality for many of those other traditions. But again, hopefully we can have that part of that conversation or at least start it here today. But from the Christian perspective, another another thing we believe about grief is that the grief and the hard times are what turn us back to God. Right. Like when everything's going great in our own lives, we we don't need God, really. Right. Like so unless we mess up big time and feel we have a sin to confess and repent, that's one thing that draws us to God. But the other thing that draws us back to God is knowing that our hearts are broken. We don't see how we can survive through it. And so oftentimes that will turn people if they have a, a you know, a, a faith tradition that's like a faith in a personal God. Um, that's hmm. one thing that draws us back. And I think the beauty of God, as I understand him, is he doesn't get frustrated the way we would with a little child who doesn't call often enough, right? Like he is thrilled and ecstatic anytime something happens that makes us go, oh, wait, I can turn back to God. So 
I think that's that's something I think about when I think about grief and spirituality. Well, what about folks who say that um, their grief actually makes them question their relationship or even the existence of that? I'm so glad you said that. That is a really common situation. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, I think the nature of your faith and your spirituality helps define what might happen next, right? So for instance, a Christian who doesn't believe they have a right to be mad at God or question God, you know, they they might be kind of stuck right there. And, and you know, same for, if there are other faith traditions like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some Christians do believe you can argue with God and question God to his face and, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay, right? And that's part of your relationship. And that actually brings up the client experience I wanted to share, which was a deeply spiritual experience for both of us. My client, uh, Shantane, she lost her son. They had been estranged and then he died of an illness that she wasn't really aware of because they had been estranged. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we did in our work together was figure out what she never got to say to her son and start articulating those things out loud. And all people have things they need to say to each other, one of which is I apologize, one of which is I forgive you, some others are thank you, I love you, and goodbye. So I help people say that to their loved ones, whether they're present or not. Mm-hmm. What we discovered mm-hmm. as she was saying those things to her son was that she was angry with God. And I said, well, maybe you need to forgive God. Wow. And her experience as a Christian was, I'm not entitled to forgive God, right? Like the thought of having that kind of a conversation with God never occurred to her. And I encouraged her to give it a try. So if you can imagine, that was an amazing spiritual experience for both of us as she stepped out and started relating to her God in a new way. And think about it, opened up a whole new channel of conversation, authenticity, vulnerability with, with in her spirituality. So that was a really that, that was one of those experiences I was truly honored to be a part of, you know, because that was yeah. really life-changing for her in her spirituality specifically. And it speaks to one of the tenets that we have here that has just been inducted into our regular, <laughs> our regular tenets about checking our assumptions. Check yourself yes. before you hurt yourself. But sometimes it's like, where did I get this idea that I can't question God? Or where did I get this idea that I can't? whatever xyz right and so this is this is beautiful this is great i love that i want to open it up to anybody who has questions or comments for Jeannie, um because as you can tell i can just hog her to myself forever (laughs) giovanni says forgiving god what a beautiful concept i deeply love it it's great okay if we're mad at god that needs to be part of how that would be reconciled, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to point out one thing about the work I do. The grief recovery method is purposefully secular and non-spiritual for just that reason. Because if you're mad at God and you try to go to a scripture-based or spiritual-based healing program, that's not going to resonate for you if you're mad and questioning, right? So mm-hmm. We very purposefully do not wrap ours in any faith tradition. Now, I'm happy to talk about the faith with the person I'm with when they want to, but it's not like a requirement to tap into the healing. I feel really strongly about that. I love that choice they made. That's awesome. Gio, what you got? Well, I'm in love with Jeannie. (laughs) I'm I'm like, wow, you're a beautiful human being. And and you have brought... um, 
you have navigated certain corners in the conversation that I thought that they have been beautiful. Uh, truly just beautiful how you have navigated me into this possibility of it all, of really looking at where where am I putting in the pressure cook something mm-hmm. in the in underneath the umbrella of time heals things. And and I, I love that you said time doesn't heal anything. Maybe it helps things evolve, but not heal. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that has pierced something within me for me to look. Um, and the, the, the other thing I saw, I want to say, uh, grief coach for women, I'm going to leave a kind, kind seed to, to include men because you're a beautiful human being. And I, and I think that, um, with your eloquence and with your commitment, uh, we men need it mm-hmm. and, and, um, a lot more than, than, one might think, given that our inherited models for relationship is not to talk. Yes. And so, um, and so I don't have a question, Jane. I just wanted to appreciate you for being here, for coming here. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Gio. Yes. I love you right back. And I, I need to make that change. Um, I, I hear, I have that conversation periodically about why just women. Mm-hmm. And um, I encourage you men who think this is valuable to support your brothers to step into it too. I mean, part of it is just that women tend to take up this kind of work a little more easily, but I definitely have a heart for men that are hurting. Everyone on this earth is hurting. There's not a, one of us that isn't carrying a backlog of grief. So I would be thrilled to support as many people as want to as want to heal that backlog and, and get back to their full expression and full performance. So thank you for saying so, Gio. Thank you, Gio. Sorrel, you have something? Yes, I do. Jenny, thank you for coming back. And, uh, you know, ditto to everything that uh, Gio just said. I, I love you. I love this conversation. And what's there for me to ask is, is there such a thing as sweet grief? You know, like the kind of grief I feel, I don't know if it's grief, but it's connected to my love, say, for my mother or my love for a family member, my love for a friend. Like I'm longing for that person or my love for my country. I'm longing to be home. Mm-hmm. I'm missing you. There's there's something sweet about that. Yes. So what, what's the connection between grief and love? Such such a rich question. And, um, you know, part of my answer is I think we all know the answer in our heart. But thank you for asking. And I'm going to I'm going to feel free to articulate what I think the answer is. I, I agree with you. That's I love that term. Sweet grief. That's wonderful. It reminds me of bittersweet, but I think it's it's got a nuance about it. Um, My husband and I are taking a class about C.S. Lewis right now, and he wrote a book called Surprised by Joy, and he had glimpses of just what you're talking about, Sora. Like, he didn't even know what he was missing, but he just knew there was something different he was missing. Like you said, whether it was a far-off place or, like, a love that he hadn't met yet, he had that kind of experience. So he calls it joy, but I think sweet grief is a better name for it. Here's, Here's what I think. I think that 
all of our grief has a potential to be sweet, but when we're in the throes of the pain that come with comes with it, we can't experience that that way. All we feel is the pain. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to share a compare and contrast that I use uh, a lot of times to explain the difference of what I'm talking about. So the word closure, you all are familiar with the word closure, right? That's kind of what our society teaches us. Get closure and then slam that door, walk away, don't go back, right? Like as though it's a one and done. And what I think we want is what we at the grief recovery method call completion, which is not a big, heavy wooden door with a ton of iron shackles keeping it closed that I can't even look at for fear I'm going to break down. I want that glass revolving door where I can tap into those memories anytime I want to without getting sucked into the spiral of grief, right? Like I want to enjoy my memories, happy, sad, or otherwise, and then be able to get on with my day. Like I want to access those whenever I want. Like Monica, don't you want to think of your dad and his perfect purposeful gate anytime you want, and then be able to go to the next meeting and the next lunch and the next whatever without needing to go in the fetal position. So I think when you have that healing, that's when the grief can become sweet. It doesn't get you stuck. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to we want to get rid of those hurt feelings so that we have access to everything else. Sorrel, I'd love to know what you think about that. Wow, I, I, it's not what I think about it. It's more like what you're speaking generated with me, and what it generated is the statement: "Grief is a gift." For on the other side of grief is exactly what I'm looking for. It could be love. It could be power, it could be energy, it could be joy. So the the revolving door you're speaking of, I love it. It's like, I I can now look for opportunities to go through the revolving door and emerge out the other side. Yes, yes. Happy memories are back there. Yeah. Yeah. Like good memories are back there. Lessons learned are back there. You know, beautiful visual memories you want to have. They're all, they're all in there. And so, yeah, I love that. In fact, I'd like to tie it back to what Monica said before, right before we went into the Q and a, the check yourself. I think one of the gifts that grief gives us spiritually is a chance to reevaluate, right? Like whatever the loss or the change or the ending was by definition, there's some new stuff ahead of you. And so talk about that built-in time along our lives to check ourselves, check our assumptions, decide if we're on the right path. You know, one of the things that can come out of grief is, holy cow, I don't have as much time as I thought, right? Or holy cow, I need to figure out how to relate with people in a way that's more healthy and supportive for me. And we might change our behaviors, we might change our path in life, we might change how we invest our time and attention because we realize we have something to get done and time is not unlimited. I mean, check yourself. I think great is a way to do that. Yeah. Yes. That's lovely. It's a, it's a great humbling experience, but also very expansive because Lord have mercy. If, if we didn't feel it so deeply on the lows, we wouldn't be available for the highs. Yes. I love that you've shared with us, Jenny, today. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I was just, I just thought of that old saying that we coaches say and hear a lot, which is you can't have the breakthrough without the breakdown, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we didn't have those grief opportunities to check ourselves, we might never change anything. We might never grow. So Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's all part of the big picture. 
Well, I appreciate you being here with us and, and opening this dialogue with us. I agree with you, Giovanni. Ginny is a rock star. <laughs> and um, I'm hugging everybody here. We all have um, something that we are grieving or someone that we are grieving, um, a past that didn't turn out the way that, that you envisioned or a future that perhaps you now no, no longer have access to. But there are other futures that you do have access to. And there are ways to tell the story of that past so that it can move you forward to it. Thank you everybody for being with us today. Have a great rest of your week. At The Daily Huddle, we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to Patty Dabrowski's seven principles for having a happy body, sexy skin, a laughing spirit, and a rewarding life. Give, give of your time, your full attention, and of your unique talents. Move. Move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive. Eat mostly plants. Plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your full potential each day. Sleep. Sleep is how the body repairs itself and readies us to give us our best every day. Stress less. According to John Perkins, stress is just a problem without a solution. Choose your solution and dismiss the stress. Laugh, laugh out loud from your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back, you will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you. Love, most of all love. With your words, your thoughts, your actions, power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on The Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Until next time. Go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. See you next time.